NBC's support practically no longer on his side, for reasons that will become clear later, Ronan Farrow had to quickly decide to which news media outlet he would tell the story of Harvey Weinstein's sexual abuse of women. There was The New Yorker, since he had already been in touch with a reporter who had also tried to break the story about Weinstein's predatory behavior. Whatever means that can be resorted to were used by Weinstein's camp to stop Ronan Farrell from further pursuing the story, even when he wasn't doing so as a journalist for NBC. A list of demands for Ronan to stop was actually sent over, meaning that legal steps were weaponized to protect Harvey because... After all, he can. And of all people, the lawyer Lisa Bloom, who was mentioned a couple of episodes ago as a seeming champion for women and sexual assault survivors, Lisa Bloom was actually among those who were behind this move from Weinstein's part to stop Ronan Farrow. Bloom even told Ronan, and I quote, I am his people. Dun dun dun! Plot twist of some sorts, because in the book, actually, Ronan kind of presents Lisa Bloom at first as someone that he could confide in, somebody that he could ask legal advice from, especially since she presented herself as an advocate for women and sexual assault survivors. Turns out, she herself was, well, you know, it wasn't because she genuinely believed in Harvey. It was because he had optioned her book, so in a way, she'd feel compelled to be on his side. It was a matter of business interests rather than out of genuinely believing in Harvey or out of... I mean, like Lisa Bloom couldn't even have it in her to just say no to Harvey just because there was some, you know, she, she got tied up in business matters with him and... It was all I can say is that Lisa Bloom is an example of being cautious of wolves in feminist sheep's clothing. If I may botch an idiomatic expression of some sorts, sometimes you gotta be careful of folks who parade or hold themselves up as feminists, but then turn around and do the opposite of what feminism ask you to do when it matters all because your individualistic concerns tie you up in capitalist matters but ronan didn't accede to harvey's threats let alone respond to them he had sources to talk to women whose stories he needed to include in the overall story he got a hold of actress mira sorvino and rosanna arquette the latter of whom, Ronan said, is important because of how closely it hewed to others he'd heard. So there was professional pretext, a meeting that was moved upstairs, a request for a massage, a bathrobe. Servino and Arquette both shared the conviction that their respective careers had suffered because they rejected Weinstein. Another actress who shared her story with Ronan was Asia Argento, who described the harrowing details of the incident which she described as, quote, horrible trauma. Her story is all the more complicated by her admission that she yielded to his further advances. 
it would be easy to think that once a person sexually assaults you, you'd easily cut off all contact with your rapist. Maybe even report them to the police and seek justice the traditional way. I felt I had to, she told Ronan, because I had the movie coming out and I didn't want to anger him. As Ronan put it, quote, she believed that Weinstein would, ru- would ruin her career if she didn't comply, end quote. Asia Argento's story, mind you, presents the complex reality of sexual assault for so many survivors. That these were often crimes perpetrated by bosses, family members, people you can't avoid afterward. It isn't always a stranger who jumps at you from the dark or drugs you. When I see him, it makes me feel little and stupid and weak, she told Ronan. After the rape, he won. Argento embodied a collision of complications. According to Farrell, after her involvement in his reporting, she reached a financial settlement with actor Jimmy Bennett, who alleged that she had sex with him when he was 17. Now, of course, in California law, this of course would count as statutory rape. Now, it would seem that there's a hypocrisy in Argento. You know, by resorting to financial settlements with her accuser, while she herself was exposing Weinstein for the same thing. But the thing is that Argento's accuser wasn't barred from telling his story. His silence wasn't purchased. And as Ronan put it, Argento's story about Harvey Weinstein checked out. So this aspect in Argento's story tells us that perpetrators of sexual abuse can actually be survivors of it. Victims do not have to be saints with clean or pure histories in order for them to be taken seriously. At this point, Ronan was coming across more women willing to go on the record. Other actresses such as Sophie Dix and Emma DeCown. Weinstein, for his part exhausted whatever means he can to seize Ronan's reportage. In one passage in the book that I found amusing, despite the seriousness of everything else, was this, and I quote, Weinstein's legal argument, in order of ascending absurdity and descending seriousness, as that anything negative about him was defamatory, that reporting on any company that used NDAs was impermissible, that he had a cut deal with NBC, that my sister was sexually assaulted, and there was a child molester in my extended family. End quote. Nonetheless, the team at the New Yorker rallied around reporting. There was even an impassioned debate about language, Ronan said. Initially, according to him, they'd excluded the word rape, fearing that it might be distracting. But there were those who rightly so, actually, pushed back, arguing that by excluding the word, it would actually be some sort of whitewashing. And so the word stayed in. As Ronan and the New Yorker closed in, Harvey's people tried to be a step ahead, with Lisa Bloom actually putting out a statement referring to the allegations as mostly a matter of misunderstanding. 
She argued that Weinstein was just an old dinosaur. So I'm putting up air quotes on this absurd term. So she called Weinstein that one, you know, an old dinosaur who's just learning new ways. Yes, my dear listeners, the those were different times argument. That was that. At this point, the reputation cleanup was in response to the New York Times article so far. And we'll actually go back to the New York Times when we get into the episodes for She Said by Jody Cantor and Megan Tuhi. And those will be coming up after the episodes for Catch and Kill. Because I just wanted to talk about these two books back to back just to kind of give you two perspectives on the same story of sorts. Now, I wouldn't call them the same per se because, as we'll find out later, Rowan and Farrell focused more on the allegations of sexual abuse, while the New York Times journalist focused more on his alleged sexual harassment. Still, you know, both publications and the journalists broke the silence for the women that Weinstein harmed and abused, despite the different branches of sorts when it comes to Harvey Weinstein. Basically, what <laughs> what the journalists unfolded is that Weinstein was a piece of shit. Whether he was sexually harassing women or sexually assaulting them. It was wonderful what journalists such as Ronan Farrow and the team at The New Yorker and journalists like Megan Tuhi and Jody Cantor were able to do in the New York Times. But again, let me remind you, dear listeners, that just because we're focusing on Harvey Weinstein in, in these particular books, he just happened to be the man who whose actions were the subject of these journalistic outputs of sorts. <laughs> but mind you, there can be Harvey Weinsteins in your midst. And it is my hope that through us learning about these acts of abuse through these books, that we can recognize the Harvey Weinsteins among us or that we can do better in terms of creating systems or organizations that can protect people from abusers. Anyway, Weinstein, at this point in the book or at this point in time, for his part, he was about to fall. And the people in his company who have been enablers are scrambling to save themselves and distance themselves from Harvey the best way that they can. The proverbial chips were starting to fall. (laughs) 